Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the All In Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Cooper, and I'm joined with my co-host, Mike Badzik. How you doing today, Mike? Hey, doing good, man. Third episode, we're back. So uh, we, we've had fun the first two, so we're back for a third, and we're just going to keep on going with it, having fun. So ready to go. How about Agreed, you? Agreed, man. Same. I'm excited that we're doing this. It's been a great experience so far. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in so far. We appreciate you guys' uh, feedback um, and you know showing love to the podcast. Uh, today, we're getting into a new topic. Our first two episodes uh, were basketball-related, but today we're going to switch it up. Uh, we're going to get into some NFL topics uh, with the NFL just releasing their new schedule uh, for 2020-2021. Uh, so we're going to get into some marquee matchups uh, in that regard. So we're going to talk about Cam Newton still being unsigned, where he may land, uh, and what he should do. And then we're also going to get into some fantasy talk, some rookies to watch uh, from a fantasy perspective and uh, give you guys uh, some help going into your drafts. So we'll kick it off. We'll start with talking about Cam Newton. Uh, obviously, uh, he had a uh, difficult ending to his time with the Panthers, spent his entire career there so far, um, and spent most of the last season injured. And the Panthers released him in the offseason uh, and signed Teddy Bridgewater uh, to come in and be the replacement. And now uh, Cam Newton is on the market um, looking for another opportunity uh, I assume as a starting quarterback in the NFL, but that's really a question mark right now um, is whether he's a starter. So that's going to be my first question to you, Mike. Is Cam Newton a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL still? So the question, is he a starter caliber quarterback? I'd say yes, probably. But it's really hard to know. Um, so like last year, like you mentioned, Hurt most of the year, really all of the year. He only played two games. The two games he did play, he was fighting through serious injuries. Um, he had the torn labrum at the end of 2016, and then he had to get surgery on that again. Uh, and then he, then he gets the foot injury last year, and he ends up having surgery on that in December. So you look at a guy like Cam Newton, and yes, the production was there, especially early in this career. You know, 2015 was really just the peak, peak um, that was the MVP season, obviously. They made the Super Bowl, went 15-1. and one. He's never going to be that guy again. I think he can still be a quality starter, though. Look, looking at his numbers, 2018. So 2019, we'll just throw out because he was hurt. And just talk about the 2018. They went six. He went 6-8 and eight as a starter. 7.2 yards per attempt, 22nd in the league. He was ninth in completion percentage, though, um, you know, and he 17th in QBR. So he was, like, pretty average, I would say. As a passer, anyway, he was pretty average. And then, of course, you know what he gives you on the ground. 2018, he was 17th in quarterback rating. So just – and that was 2018. So then, you know, 2019, everything happens. But if you just look at the guys, the passer rating rankings from 2018 – like, the top 15 guys are pretty set in stone. Like, those are the guys you would expect to be there. Your your established starters, Drew Brees, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, guys like that. And then when you get, like, 15 down, that's kind of the guys that get churned in and out of the league. Um, so then Cam was 17. 
16 was Trubisky. Carr was 18. I think both of those guys are probably going to be backups by the time they're 31, like Cam is going to be tomorrow. Actually, on Monday, he's going to be 31. Uh, then you have Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, who Ryan Tannehill stopped being a starter after 2018, and then he goes and takes a backup deal, and that works out great for him. So maybe that's the route we see Cam Newton going. Um, but then you've got Eli Manning, Marcus Mariota, Nick Mullins, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford, Jameis Winston, who just signed as a backup, and then Andy Dalton, who just signed as a backup. And that was the those were really the three guys who hadn't been signed. It was Cam, Jameis, and Andy Dalton. And you were looking around at the spots in the league where they can land and be starters, and you were thinking the Patriots, the Jaguars, probably the Bears um, were in that market, and then the Chargers were maybe the biggest one in that market with what looked like a roster that if you put a established guy in there like a Cam, maybe you could win some games with. Well, the the Bears, it looks like they're going with Trubisky, look for now at least, and then they bring in Nick Foles to be that backup. They restructure his deal, so it's more of a backup type deal. Him, he's going to get paid more towards the end of that, uh, which means it looks like they're going to go with Trubisky at least to start and see how it goes. Uh, so now they're out of the running for a quarterback. The Chargers draft... Justin Herbert, so it appears that's the direction they want to go. They don't want a new starter coming in. They're fine with Tyrod Taylor and, and Justin Herbert, similar to what the Browns had in 2018 with Tyrod Taylor, and they drafted Baker Mayfield. Uh, so then that left kind of the Patriots and the Jags as the other teams where you think maybe they could go out and get a starter. The Patriots, I think, make the most sense for Cam or for Andy Dalton, or, or even though he already signed as a backup. But for Cam, I think they make – a lot of sense from a football perspective. The problem is the Patriots don't have any cap room. Uh, they have like $2 million in cap room. So they cannot pay him starter money. If he wants starter money, it's just not going to happen with the Patriots. And like you know about the Patriots, they're the type that is going to want to, if they're going to give this guy money, they want to vet him thoroughly with their guys. And the fact that he had the sur three surgeries. And now, because of the COVID-19, so this plays a huge role in it too, with Cam Newton specifically, the COVID-19 is you can't get these guys to your medical staff for evaluations. And we know these teams, they want their guys on it. They only want you know their doctors. And the Patriots in particular, you would think, would be very specific about that. So I think that that is part of the reason it hasn't happened yet, and also because they don't have the cap room to, to give him the money he might want right now. And then the Jaguars, the Jaguars still make sense, but I think that they're just tanking or they're clearly rebuilding. You look at all the guys that they shipped out of there, you know, Jalen Ramsey, and they're trying to get rid of Leonard Fournette. So it looks like they're going to roll with Gardner Minshew now. I don't really think he's the starter of the future. He showed a lot of promise at times last year, but I don't think that they view him like that. I think they're kind of just giving him a chance this year. And if it doesn't work out, fine, great, we'll tank and We'll try to get one of these Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in this draft. So I guess the Jags, you know, that's the direction they want to go. So Cam and Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston all had to kind of look at it themselves and say, well, I guess I'm not going to be a starter. What's a good backup job? Jameis grabbed the Saints job. I think that's a good fit for him. He's going to be behind Drew. You might learn Sean Payton's offense. And then maybe when Drew Brees is done, Jameis is in a place where he can step up and say, hey, I'm the next guy. I think that's what he thinks anyway, kind of betting on himself. Andy Dalton goes to the Cowboys. He could potentially um, be a factor there with Dak on that really no deal, uh, possible franchise tag. 
So Andy Dalton could play a role. So now Cam is thinking, well, if I'm not going to be a starter somewhere, do I sign to be a backup now and go somewhere maybe like Pittsburgh? Um, or do I wait it out and see what happens in the first couple weeks of the season? And that's what I think Cam should do. I think he should wait, see how it goes in the first couple weeks. You never know. There could be some injuries. I think places like Buffalo, um, Pittsburgh, Buffalo especially could work out when, like I mentioned, the Ryan Tannehill comparison to what Cam might want to do. You know, if he goes behind Josh Allen and Josh Allen, uh, you know, he took him to the playoffs, but he really hasn't shown that he's going to be a top-level quarterback. So maybe Cam Newton isn't behind him. Josh Allen is improving it, similar to Marcus Mariota. And, and you put in Cam and he has a lot of success and it works out great like it has for, for Tannehill in Tennessee. Right. Maybe that's an option for him. So I think, yes, he's probably a starter capable, but it's just a matter of getting in with the team without having their medical doctors look at you. Um, and, you know, you might have to be willing to come in as a backup and then get your chance later. Uh, what do you think? I, I kind of went off topic there no, for some okay. of that. <laughs> but but uh, go ahead. I agree. I mean, uh, a lot of strong points. I, I also think he's a starting caliber uh, quarterback. Honestly, when he got released, um, I thought he'd get picked up, you know, within the next few days, especially with um, the Chargers, you know, losing Phillip Rivers. Yeah. I thought that was an obvious landing spot for him. Um, I thought the Redskins were an obvious landing spot for him. And I understand they have, you know, Dwayne Haskins, who, you know, they invested a pretty high pick in. So, you know what I mean? You want to give him his opportunity, but I don't think he's ready to start. Um, and who knows, sure. you know, the Alex Smith situation after the gruesome leg injury he had and, and you know, what other kind of quarterback options they have. And if he'd be going to a coach that he previously played for. So I thought that was another hand-in-glove fit and probably the best fit for him was Washington, you know, maybe on a short-term deal um, while Dwayne Haskins, you know, can – continue to learn the game and um yeah and develop um so uh, you know i think that's still a fit for him honestly if they even if he has to come in not guaranteed as a starter uh coming in and and maybe competing with that for that job or coming in as haskins backup to just kind of groom him because um, honestly if there were starting jobs available right now he'd have one yeah uh, so yeah obviously right, right. You know, if that's what he was holding out for at this point, that's not going to happen unless somebody right. gets hurt. And then at that point, you know, like you mentioned, maybe he waits a couple of seasons, waits for someone to get get hurt and then try to come in there. But I think he'd be better off signing as a as, a, you know, like a prime backup um, for a team that has either had quarterback struggles or like you said, the Steelers where Ben Roethlisberger can't seem to be healthy. Um, mm -hmm. And clearly the backups they have right now are inadequate. So, oh, yeah. you know, that um, both of those options, um, I think, would be would be good for him, too. I honestly, I think he will end up starting multiple games next year. How many? I don't know. But wherever he ends up, I think he'll end up starting a few games because he's going to end up with a team that has quarterback issues or injuries, things like that. Uh, that'll help him get on the field and then he'll get an opportunity to show that he's still um, a high-quality quarterback uh, in this league. Yeah, I think so, too. I think uh, the Washington one makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, they're kind of similar to, like, the Buffalo example. But, like, I could see, like, Buffalo taking the chance before Washington because Buffalo's, like, the roster we have right now 
if you take out Josh Allen, if Josh Allen isn't performing and we take him out with a guy like Cam Newton, we could do some serious stuff. I think Washington is still in a spot where they're like, well, even if we, even if we had Cam, we're probably not going to really be competing anyway. So I think that they're going in a different direction. Um, but yeah, that makes sense too. And, and that's the thing too. Like when I say at the beginning, like, well, who, who would be a team that could use, or who would be a team that could be possibly signing Cam to be their starting quarterback? I'm not saying that he's not better than, you know, at least a handful of the starting quarterbacks in the league right now. I just think that, you know, when you look at it from a roster perspective, it doesn't make a ton of sense to bring him in as your starter and pay him starter money if you haven't had a chance to look at that foot and look at that shoulder. Yeah. Because, you know, like, you know, I wanted to say 2019, don't count it. Like, it did happen. And, and we saw that when he tries to play through those injuries, if they're not healed correctly where they should be, it, it isn't great. Right, especially on a shoulder. Especially, yeah, the shoulder is the big one. But I think, like, he could possibly be in there. I would like to see him get a chance, too, just to prove a lot of people wrong who have wrote him off. I don't think that's fair to do to someone who's a former MVP. And, you know, unfortunately, he's had a lot of injuries. And the way the Panthers used him, we could probably should have expected a lot of injuries, right? Like, yeah. Because he's not running like Lamar Jackson's running. Lamar Jackson's running and getting out of bounds and, and getting down as fast as possible. He's an elusive type runner. Cam Newton was pretty much a power back for the Panthers. I mean, when you use your quarterback like that, he's probably going to have long-term injuries repeatedly. Yeah, that's, I agree with you. I, I hope he gets the chance. Certainly, probably has more to give to the game. He is turning 31, um, so... Better now than never, I guess. Yeah, so hopefully we see Cam Newton back on the field. Uh, we'll certainly be following that, see where he ends up, um, you know, before the season gets started or as the season progresses. Uh, but speaking of the NFL season, uh, a couple of days ago, the NFL just released their 2020 and 2021 schedule uh, for this year. And let's get into uh, some of our marquee matchups uh, that we're looking at. So we'll do one each. And I'll, I'll kick this one off. Uh, the one that I'm excited for is a possible AFC Championship showdown early in the season between the Ravens and the Chiefs. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm excited about this matchup for multiple reasons, really. Um, one, you got two electrifying quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. That's obvious. Mm -hmm. Two MVP caliber players, um, you know, who are coming up in this league uh, very fast. Uh, the second thing is the last time these two teams played um, early last year, they put on a show. Uh, it was a great game to watch. Came down to the wire. Chiefs just ended up pulling away, um, you know, and obviously went on to win a Super Bowl. Um, so you got the Super Bowl champs against last year's number one seed in the AFC uh, and kind of bowed out in the divisional round uh, to the Titans. So the Ravens should be on a mission this year, uh, you know, to come back from a disappointing playoff loss. Um, so that's one that I'm really excited about just because of those two talented young quarterbacks, uh, two high-powered offenses going at it. Uh, and it's going to be early in the year, but it will likely have uh, likely give us a taste of what we could see in the AFC Championship later on that year. Yeah, like pretty cool week three, and it's a Monday night football game. I was pretty impressed actually with the, the schedule. There's actually some pretty good Monday night games and normally we get a lot of duds yeah, on Monday yeah. night for some reason. So that'll be good to have some good games. They need some new announcers, but I think after that, 
could be okay. I think they were really out to improve the Monday night games um, because yeah. uh, I think a lot of people share that sentiment. I do for sure that the Thursday night and Monday night games were not good. Uh, they were a lot of a lot of duds. Some of the, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you have your anomalies, but like you said, there were a lot of duds um, on Monday night. So I think they were really out to improve those. They got some some good matchups on those Monday night games. Yeah, absolutely. So just touching on the NFL schedule. Doing this as if there's no coronavirus and then everything's going to happen right. uh, as normal. 16 games, home, eight home, eight away. They did take a couple things, like weeks three and four, there's no divisional games. So if the season is cut short, probably those two weeks will be the first ones cut. And then whoever you play in week two has the same bye week as you. So if that week has to get cut, we can you can move those games to the bye week. So besides that, they're moving along um, as usual. So the first matchup that I'm really interested to see is, is from week one. Dolphins at Patriots. I mean, no Brady. So that's going to be big. Patriots have had Tom Brady as their starting quarterback for about 20 years straight now. Um, So I'm interested to see how they adapt. Jared Stidham looks like he's going to be the guy. It looks like they're not going to bring in Cam Newton like we just talked about. So they're going to roll with Stidham. Apparently they like him. I don't know enough to, to make a prediction. I know that he played well at Baylor. Um, and my gambling friend who bets on stupid college football games all the time says he won him a lot of money in the Big 12. So <laughs> I think that Stidham could be okay. We'll see. I want to watch that game. I want to see how the Patriots are different. And then it really it's going to be all now this season is going to be watching Belichick do his defensive genius. That's, that's the draw to the Patriots now. And to see how Stidham reacts to being a starter. Patriots, I was surprised. They still have five primetime games. Um, so I think the NFL and the cable partners are saying people are still going to be interested in the Patriots, at least for this season, to see how things go. Uh, so that's interesting. But on the Dolphins side, I don't think Tua is going to be starting week one. Uh, but if he is, this will be his first game. And what a better way to do it than to go to Foxborough and play Bill Belichick. So I think that could be an interesting storyline. If not, I think that the Dolphins have just improved. And I, I really think that you know this is going to be the first year of the Tom Brady-less Patriots. So, who is going to try to challenge in that division? Is it the Dolphins? Is it the Jets? You know, the Bills were there last year. We'll see if they can do it again. I like the Dolphins as an improving team. Uh, so, I'm interested to see that one week one. That's my first matchup. And then my second matchup, well, I'll just go right to, is actually week 13. It's the Dolphins again, and it's the, the Bengals going to Miami. Uh, obviously, week 13, I think Tua should be starting by then. Uh, unless Ryan Fitzpatrick is leading the Dolphins to a playoff run, I would think Tua would be in there by then. And then um, Joe Burrow is obviously going to be starting probably week one for the Bengals. So by week 13, they should both be in a groove, and, and that will be the matchup of the one. And the first two quarterbacks taken, you know, week 13, it might be a meaningless game towards the standings by that point in the season. But it will definitely still be interesting to watch, uh, as you know, because these two are going to be compared against each other from now to the end of history. So... You know, always the first matchup will be a fun one to watch. Agreed. I think that's a good call out there. Um, Tua, most likely, barring any, you know, health issues and things like that, um, I would assume we probably see him starting week 13 unless, of course, Fitz Magic um, is working some Fitz Magic. He does uh, that sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, and I would be excited to see uh, that matchup as well with the two rookie QBs. And by that time, they should both have, you know, pretty good 
um, sense of their offenses and things like that. So that could be a nice um, look into the future, uh, seeing those guys there. For my second matchup, I went with the Bucks and the Saints in Week 9. Uh, Brady versus Breeze. We're going to get this matchup twice a year um, with Brady uh, signing in the NFC South. Um, who knows for how long with those two guys aging, but I'm sure we'll get two duels this year from between the two. I went with the Week 9 matchup because that's going to obviously have playoff implications uh, with both of those teams likely being the best teams in the NFC South. Um, we could see you know, a team possibly um, take a, a lead in the, divisional, in the divisional standings there between those two. Um, yeah. Those are going to be two really high-powered offenses. Uh, the Bucks with now uh, Gronk coming out of retirement. They already had Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Um, they had a decent – their backfield came alive a little bit last year, but they also uh, drafted another running back uh, who we'll get into – um, in the fantasy segment when we talk about some rookies to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But, the you know, and then the Saints, you got obviously Drew Brees and any offense that he's leading along with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Um, you're obviously looking at a shootout there um, in week nine, which yeah. could determine the NFC South. Yeah. What do you think about, uh, what do you think about the Bucks? You think they're an actual top contender in the NFC or do you think it's more hoopla just from signing Brady and signing Gronk? That maybe that doesn't actually equate to winning. What do you think? I don't. I don't know if I'm going to throw them in the Super Bowl contender just yet. Um, obviously, yeah. we got to see how all the pieces fit. But on paper, it's hard not to like them. Uh, they right. already had a pretty solid defense. I think um, their front seven's pretty good. They just yeah. got to re- kind of work on that secondary. Uh, but I think Brady um, can do a lot with this offense. I mean, we haven't seen him have weapons like this probably since he had Randy Moss um you know back when on the Patriots during that time oh, definitely, as far as definitely. as far as receivers go he's always had Gronk um you know for the better part of the last decade and uh the infamous Aaron Hernandez a little bit as well so he's had weapons before um but someone like Mike Evans and then someone like Chris Godwin um you know along with Gronk who you know, we're not sure what kind of Gronk is going to be coming out of retirement, but he also has Breed. Um, not sure what they're doing with O.J. Howard, but if he stays, right. that's another option for them. So he's certainly going to have an abundance of weapons to use down there in Tampa Bay. Uh, I think for them it's going to come down to um, his health and the defense holding up. So, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens. But I, I like the Bucks. I think they're certainly a playoff team. How deep they go in the playoffs, uh, I think we'll have to really wait to see. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It's just too early to tell. Bruce Arians, you know, I guess he is a great offensive mind and well respected around the league. QBs in their first year in his offense tend to struggle. Um, you know, they'll throw for a lot of yards, but usually they do turn it over a lot. It's not an easy system. You know, obviously Brady is probably going to have less problems with that than the normal person trying to come in and learn a playbook. Right. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it meshes in that offense. Agreed. And, you know, from um, shout out to Bruce Arians for one, 717 legend. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely a um, a tough offense to pick up. Um, and a lot, but a, he's never had a Tom Brady come in and learn his offense. Um, so, 
you know, someone with his kind of experience and um, IQ, you know, that could end up being, um, that could end up being, you know, a huge benefit to really see how, um, you know, how great Arian's offense truly is. Uh, I think another like storyline to watch with the Buccaneers is one thing we're gonna get we're gonna have answered this year is the Brady versus Belichick. Like, was it the system? Was it Brady? Was it both? Right. Uh, we're gonna see that answered on both fronts, you know. Um, and most people have been able to say it's been the system because Brady has gotten hurt before and guys have stepped in and still looked good and and been able to you know hold the hold the fort down while he was out hurt or the suspension he had uh, when Garoppolo stepped in. Mm -hmm. So it has looked like it's really been the system. Um, But I think he actually really had quality backups. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not, he's not the best quarterback in the world, but he's certainly solid enough to win you a few games. Um, And then although you even go back to Jacoby Brissett, he proved that he's a solid quarterback this year with the Colts um, as well. So, you know, those, those that question's still up in the air. Uh, so it we're going to find out, is is Tom Brady truly, you know, was he truly a beneficiary of a system? Which I don't think it, it's never 100% on the system in any sport. Sure. But was he really, was he maximizing the system that he was under? And, you know, was he not really as good? Did the system make him look better than he was? So we'll get that answered. And then we'll also find out, was Belichick's system really that great? Or did Tom Brady make it look great? Um, and both things can be true. Both things can be untrue, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we'll learn from this 2020 NFL season, which um, should be exciting. Yeah. All right, do I have another matchup to give? Yep, one more each. Okay, so my last one I gave was Chiefs at Saints, uh, week 15. So that's obviously a huge one, possible Super Bowl preview. Um, the Saints have been on the cusp of making the Super Bowl you know, it seems like every year now they're people's pick to, to make it. Um, this year is no different. Coming into this year, they're projected to be one of the best three teams in the NFC. Um, I think everyone's got them included in that group for sure. Um, and then you have the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. So week 15 is probably going to be a big week. That'll probably be when they're trying to lock up buys in the first round, um, as well as clinch divisions if they haven't already. So that's obviously a huge matchup. You got Mahomes versus Breeze in the Superdome. I mean, you don't have to say much more. That's just just sounds awesome, right? Yeah, I mean, what's the over under? Probably eighty five, yeah. right? Uh, something like that, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still gonna take the over in that one. Yeah, exactly. You got to, got to. <laughs> but yeah, excellent matchup. Excited for that one. Um, I'm gonna be a little bit of a homer on my last one here. I'm going Week 16 Eagles Cowboys. Um, mm. As you guys know. I'm an Eagles fan, a Philadelphia sports fan in general. Yes, it's as tough as it looks. Mm-hmm. But um, the Eagles-Cowboys matchup, especially the last one of each year, never disappoints. Um, it, a true rivalry in the sense. Um, and I think this year it's pretty obvious that those are the two teams that are going to compete for the division title. Um, mm-hmm. And... It's it's gonna a lot of times it comes down to that game who wins that game ends up going to the playoffs each year because um, we don't always get a wild card spot out of our division. Right. Um, the Eagles have a lot of question marks heading into this year. Um, the biggest one being Carson Wentz's health, uh, which 
you know, it's almost a guarantee at this point that he's not going to play 16 games. Yeah. Uh, which um, sort of justified the second round pick of Jalen Hurts, uh, which a lot of people were upset about. Um, me personally, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. Um, but, you know, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully it, Wentz is able to stay healthy and they, they can find some other ways to use Hurts or he'll end up being the quarterback of the future. Who knows? Um, but, you know, when it comes to uh, the Eagles, their receiving core, a lot of guys coming off injury like Alshon Jeffrey and mm-hmm. uh, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson also getting older, not sh- quite sure what he's going to be. We don't even know if Alshon Jeffrey will still be on the roster as the season um, gets closer. Uh, they were obviously looking to trade or possibly cut him. That could still be an option, especially with them taking a receiver, Jalen Rager, in the first round. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the the Eagles went with um, Rager in the first round, which no one expected because that's typical uh, Philadelphia Eagle drafting. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's another big question mark for them, someone who had the third highest drop rate in the uh, FBS last year. So that's going to be a big uh, question mark. Will he be able to step in and be – um, a go-to receiver for them or a primary uh, target in the Eagles offense this year. Yeah. And uh, and then for the Cowboys, you have the entire Dak Prescott situation uh, going mm-hmm. on with his contract. And, you know, obviously he's either going to play under the franchise tag um, or, you know, they'll, they'll somehow work out a deal. Um, but, you know, he's got an abundance of weapons to use this year with the addition of C.D. Lamb was super upset when they took him in the draft, but whatever. Yeah, um, right. See CD Lamb being added into the mix of Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, uh, where the Cowboys already had a, a very good receiving core. Uh, and then you can't forget about Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield as well. Um, so, like I said, those two teams, uh, week 16, could be fighting to you know win the division at that point. Yeah, so this one will probably be in Dallas then to, in uh, week 16. Um, so I know we're going to do teams that we're interested in, um, you know, regarding the whole schedule. So let's just do the Eagles now. Cause I think that they're probably the most, one of the most interesting teams. Um, so let's look at here. Here's the, the schedule coming out the gate. They're at Washington. They've got the Rams at home, the Bengals at home. Then they go to the Niners, to the Steelers home against the Ravens. Okay. So tough. That's a tough six week start. Then they've got the Giants. And then the first game against the Cowboys is week eight. The bye week is week nine. So the bye week is week nine. They would have played eight games. What does their record have to be for them to come out of the bye week starting Jalen Hurts at quarterback? Um, I would say coming out of the bye week, you know, three and five. So you think if they're three and five, five, they hand it over to Hurts? Anything. It's tough. I'm gonna, just I'm gonna say two and, money, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say two and six because I think they're gonna have to be three and five is still salvageable. Um, yeah. Two and six, you're you're not in good shape. So I'm gonna say two and six. Yeah. If if they're that bad in the first eight games, I think you have to consider hurts. If it's Wentz, that's truly the you know is if if Wentz is not performing, which if you're two and six, that's probably the case. Right. Um, and you know that's. Assuming Wentz stays healthy for eight games, mm-hmm. uh, which at this point any Eagles fan is really just crossing their fingers for. Um, so I would say 
Yeah, I'd say two and six or anything worse than that. Yeah, obviously. So you that's gotta, like you gotta get hurts ready. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying though too. Like, okay, so I agree with you. I think it would they'd have to be two and six, and it would have to be pretty much Wentz's fault. Like he's throwing a ton of picks, and it's just really bad. But what my point is, I'm trying to make is here. Why did they take a quarterback in the second round if you know that Wentz is the guy you just gave him hundred million dollar contract to be your franchise quarterback? You know, I, I don't know how it works that you take Jalen Hurts there when you have a roster who you. I mean, you know, you won the division, albeit it was a pretty bad division, and you didn't have a great team. You won the division. Why not take a guy who's going to help your roster right now? rather than sit on the bench behind Carson Wentz. The argument, I guess, is that Carson Wentz is injury-prone. He's injury-prone at really bad times. I think overall he's... he. I mean, he plays in the majority of the games. It's just that he never finishes the season. So then when it's the playoffs and the end of the regular season when the games are really important and he's not out there, that obviously looks really bad. And it right. is really bad. I mean, you're a $100 million guy... You, you expect your quarterback to be out there, but that's why you take a guy in the second round, Jalen Hurts, who's a, a project, I would say, at least. I mean, he's kind of, you know, and they're saying the Taysom Hill comparisons and stuff. I don't know how that works with Hurts and how they're going to do it and have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Right. If he's not going to be throwing the ball. But I don't see him coming in unless it's for injury for Wentz. Really, I can't really ever see it. So I guess what's the plan is that Wentz, you're you're thinking Wentz is probably going to get hurt, which is an assumption you really don't want to be making about your $100 million quarterback. Right. And the goal is that Hurts comes in and plays well for him, and then you can try and move Hurts later and get more for him. Is right. that worth a second-round pick? I don't think so because it's kind of a gamble, and you have a roster that if you would have added to it, had a real chance. And right. then you look at the wide receiver pick uh, with Rigor. It's tough to to justify, you know, Jeffers, Justin Jefferson was still on the board. I think a lot of people would have rather had him, obviously, a much more accomplished um, receiver, and he graded out better for the draft. You know, I don't know if that was the move. Uh, he kind of lives in the slot. They need a slot receiver. Ertz kind of lives in there a little bit, so it would be interesting to see how they would have used him. I think that the bigger failure was – allowing the Cowboys to trade up ahead of you to get CeeDee Lamb when you need a receiver desperately and CeeDee Lamb well, is there. The Cowboys didn't trade up. They were already ahead of us. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not trading up. We didn't to, trade up to go above Exactly, them. exactly. Right. The Eagles didn't trade up to get CeeDee Lamb when he's maybe the most NFL-ready wide receiver there. You know how bad you need a wide receiver, and the Cowboys know how bad you need a wide receiver. And you let them bolster their offense. So disappointing in the first two picks for Eagles fans, but I think after that they actually had a pretty good draft. Um, they did. So, I I think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. If I had to make a prediction for it, I think the the schedule is interesting. A Monday night game versus Seattle, so that'll be good. That's a, a playoff rematch, and then you've got a Thursday night against the Giants, Sunday night against the Cowboys. Sunday night at the 49ers. So there's some primetime games on there um, and some big games. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they recover this year. If we can get a full year out of Wentz, maybe he could be back to the MVP caliber, caliber he was before he started getting hurt all the time. 
Right. And and when healthy, he's like he's a very good quarterback. He's yeah. not disappointed um when he's healthy and on the field. Um when you look at his numbers um compared to, you know, you know, someone made a great comparison on Twitter between him and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And, you know, the numbers are, are comparable and Deshaun Watson's held as like the future of the NFL where, you know, Carson Wentz is is um you know, obviously gets a lot of heat, but yeah, and it's the, yeah, but the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Wentz was going to be the MVP if he yeah. didn't if he did not get hurt. Um, yep, and that was a great team. Yeah, so yeah, they the Eagles certainly have their question marks. Um, most of it tied around Wentz's health, um, and you know those those first two draft picks. Um, you know, but I I agree with you. I still pick them to win the division. Um, the Cowboys just have something in them uh, where they find some way to be dysfunctional, yep. especially towards the end of the year. Even when they have a ton of talent, they always have a ton of talent on their roster, and somehow it doesn't um, work out. So, uh, and and as of right now, they're already gone through some dysfunction with the Dak Prescott situation. Um, anyway, so we'll see how that all plays out. Um, what was some of your other teams to watch uh, for the year? So I think an interesting one too is the Texans. Um, I know you have the Texans too for this, so yep. we can talk about them. I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the Texans. Um, they trade DeAndre Hopkins. They make multiple questionable moves, and it was funny too because I was um, like I was looking at the odds to win the divisions. Mm-hmm. And I really would have thought the Texans would be the favorite to win the AFC South. Usually the best quarterback in the division gets a, a notch, especially when they won the division the year before. I think the year before that, too, they won the division. So you yeah. think, but they actually were not the betting favorites to win. And, you know, the reason clearly is Bill O'Brien. The guy is, I don't know if he's trying to destroy their roster or what the plan is, um, but not great so far. So here's the interesting. You look at their schedule. They start the year. They're the first game of the year going to Kansas City. That's going to be tough. Then they've got the Ravens. Then they go to Pittsburgh. They've got Minnesota. So their first four games are pretty brutal. You know, Chiefs, Ravens, at Steelers, and Vikings. Then they've got the Jags. Then they go to the Titans, to Tennessee. And then they've got the Packers after that. So six of their first seven games are really tough. And the other one's a divisional game. You know, at what point is, what's the record got to be for Bill O'Brien to uh, GM Bill O'Brien to fire head coach Bill O'Brien? That's you know they could because they could be easily looking at two or four, two and four, um, really you know two and five going into that bye week, and then you know it makes sense why their odds aren't the favorite to win the division. The schedule is tough for sure, but here's the thing: they've got Deshaun Watson. Nobody else in the division does, and he's. The best when you have the best player and he's the quarterback, it makes it a lot easier. So I think that despite Bill O'Brien, they're probably gonna still win the division. You know, obviously I think Indy um, has a great roster, and Tennessee, if Tannehill performs like he does last year, is is definitely gonna pose a threat. I would pick Houston; they have the best quarterback. I just feel bad for Deshaun Watson because like. I don't know, like his whole career, like he was always getting, he, he was getting sacked, but he had the weapons, but he couldn't get it downfield like he wanted to because he had no offensive line. Then they finally, they get the offensive line um, with Tunsil in there, and 
now they trade DeAndre Hopkins and they replace him with Randall Cobb. Like it just didn't really make sense. I don't know what they're trying to do. So yeah, I hate the moves they've made. Um, but the Texans, I think it could fall apart quickly. So it's going to be really interesting to watch like the first seven weeks of the year to see where the Texans are at. I think if they can get through that stretch, even if they are three and four at the bye week, I, I, I think they would be okay. Cause it, it does soften up at the back end for sure. Um, you got Jags, Browns, Patriots, Lions, Colts, Bears, Colts again, Bengals, Titans. So it definitely is way easier in the second half, but you got to get to the second half to have a chance. Um, so they're definitely one I'm watching out for. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, the Deshaun, uh, or I'm sorry, the DeAndre Hopkins trade was such a shock. Um, and and it, it doesn't make sense at all. You traded for a aging David Johnson um, who just – randomly got bumped out of the running back rotation in Arizona after he got hurt. Um, so, I mean, I think he still has something left in the tank. And actually, when the trade first went down, before they had mentioned that DeAndre Hopkins was involved in it, I was excited about it because from a fantasy perspective, I thought um, David Johnson was going to yeah, be revived at least Absolutely, somewhat. Absolutely, that's the same thing. And then I see that they trade De- that DeAndre Hopkins was part of the trade. I'm just like, What? Like, who does that? Yeah. And then all this stuff comes up about his issues with Bill O'Brien and things like that. And then, you know, it starts to make more sense, at least to why, um, you know, when when you learn about those kind of things. But mm-hmm. um, still, it's just from a football perspective, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, so the Texans and, and actually after the trade happened, uh, I, I immediately tweeted uh, for them to trade Deshaun Watson too because he deserves better. Yeah, right. He deserves better uh, than uh, those get, guys. Get that guy out of Houston uh, and get him to a competent organization because they with with that trade, they ha- they don't deserve him one bit. Yeah. Um, but we'll move on. Uh, one of the teams that I highlighted um, as well, um, you know, we talked about the Eagles. Texans were the second team on my list. My team is the team that received uh, DeAndre Hopkins is the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler Murray, second year under Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, he was very solid as a rookie last year uh, for the Cardinals. Um, had his ups and downs, as any rookie QB normally does. Um, but you add a weapon like David Johnson, I mean, I'm sorry, DeAndre Hopkins, um, along with uh, you still got Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, your backfield. Um, is still solid. You got uh, Kenyon Drake, who was very good for them last year, and um, Chase Edmonds, who in uh, his small opportunities to play before his injury was very good as well. So um, got a solid backfield there in Arizona. I'm excited to see what that offense can do with a truly elite receiver like DeAndre Hopkins um, and you know Kyler Murray becoming more comfortable in the offense and things like that. Uh, the Cardinals are one of my teams to watch. I think they could really... Um, make some noise in that uh, NFC West division, even with how tough it is. Um, you know, you could, we could start to see something brewing there in Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. I love um, I love this choice. I love the the Cardinals. The problem is they play in the NFC West, which is the best division in football. So it's going to be tough for them. You know, they could challenge for a wild card spot, no doubt about it. I like Kyler Murray. I'm a fan. I think that Cliff Kingsbury actually might be able to um, make a an offense in the NFL that works. Um, you know, the, the defense is where they are going to want to bolster things. But, I mean, 
they're trying to add, and they've had a really good off season. Um, you know, you talked about the DeAndre Hopkins, the DeAndre Hopkins um, trade, which is going to be absolutely huge for them, especially because you know Fitzgerald was getting older, and if you give Kyler like a big guy, a big athletic guy, that's just going to make things so much easier for him, especially yeah. you know in the red zone where things are a lot tighter and he might be prone to throw more interceptions. It's just going to really help out, and then. Their first-round pick, Isaiah Simmons um, from Clemson, that's really going to start to help their defense. All the yeah. things he can do playing linebacker, safety hybrid. He was probably one of my top three players just overall in this year's draft. I really liked him. They drafted a tackle from Houston uh, for the offense. That should help as well, obviously. I was thinking in the first round they might take a, a tackle to protect their investment in Kyler, but... Isaiah Simmons is going to be a great player for them, so I don't mind that. Um, yeah, like I said, though, it's going to be tough with them being in the NFC West. Um, but definitely definitely a team I like, and I was hoping that they were going to get more primetime games this year, but they really didn't. Um, really only, what, one? One primetime, or two, sorry, two primetime games. They got the Seahawks, and then... Um, they go to the Cowboys, and I think that's going to be, is that a Thursday night game, I think? But that actually could be a really fun one um, when you look at the offenses for both of those teams and where they should be at that point in the season. That's going to be a really interesting game, and I think that could be the Cardinals coming out party in a way. Um, cause that one's a Monday night game. Is that Monday night? Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a great matchup. I really like the Cardinals to hit their win over this year. Probably, maybe not a playoff team yet, though. Uh, but I like that pick a lot, for sure. The last team that I will talk about is the Steelers. Because you talked about the Eagles. <laughs> you get talked about the of Eagles, course, so I get to talk about the Steelers. So, uh, Steelers, 8-8 eight eight last year. You know, obviously, this is going to be big with Ben coming back off the injury. Um, they start the year on Monday night at the Giants. So that'll be Ben's return. It'll be really interesting to see the continuity they have. They drafted uh, Chase Claypool was the wide receiver out of Notre Dame. They needed a wide receiver. I think he's he'll help them. He's a big guy, but he's got really good speed, and he really can block too. So I think he'll fit into the, the Steelers' offense well. Um, I'm going to talk about the running back they drafted when we do our fantasy stuff here in a minute, uh, but I think he'll help the offense too. Week 6 through 10 is really when it's going to – get down to the brass tacks. They got three divisional games in those four weeks. And then they've got Thanksgiving night. They actually are the, the nightcap on Thanksgiving against the Ravens. So that's going to be awesome. Thanksgiving night game in Pittsburgh. Three of the last four games on the road. But like one thing that is good about their schedule, they don't have to travel west this year. So weirdly it worked out that they don't have to go to the west coast at all. The farthest game west they have is in Dallas. Um, so that'll be interesting, and it'll be interesting too. Like you've got some inner conference rivalries that don't often happen with the Steel. You know, happen every four years, but the Cowboys and the Eagles being the other one cross state. Uh, so both those matchups are always interesting. The Cowboys with the history, and the, the Eagles being in Pennsylvania as well. But I'm always looking forward to the Steelers. I I always think it's their year. So. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the Steelers do with their backfield situation. Yeah. Um, you know, James Conner. Uh, has struggled with his health, uh, obviously. 
Um, and, you know, see if, if they kind of go back to him as the main guy like they did when during uh, Le'Veon Bell's holdout season or if they go more towards like a running back by committee um, should be a, a interesting thing. And then also to see the true version of, of wide receiver one Juju. Yes. Um, we didn't we didn't really get to see that last year uh, because week one, or I believe it was week one, right, when you guys played the Patriots who ended up having a legendary defense apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously Ben got hurt right. uh, shortly after that. So we didn't really get to see the full capabilities of Juju, um, which hopefully with a healthy Big Ben this year, uh, we'll keep, we'll be able to see his talent shine, um, and see what the what the Steelers can do because the the Ravens are certainly going to need some competition uh, in the AFC North. Yeah, because um, you know as as much as I like the Browns roster on paper, you know the Nick Chubb, OBJ, Jarvis Landry. I don't. I'm still not a believer in Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Yet. Um, so that's always going to hold them back. Right. Um, and then you know the Bengals are going to be in a transitional period until. Joe Burrow develops into a star. So it's still the Steelers and the Ravens division to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully with Ben healthy, that's going to be an exciting uh, team to watch. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting too. It's interesting too, like that division. You look at the the four quarterbacks in that division, right? You've got Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP last year, and he's in his third year in the league. Baker Mayfield, who was the number one overall pick going into his third year in the league. Um, certainly had a bad year last year, but his rookie year looked like there might be something there. And then you've got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, who number one pick this year, of course. But then in Pittsburgh, you, you know, you've got 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger coming off elbow surgery and really no backup or, you know, future quarterback plan in sight. And they did not address that in the draft this year. That was a question. If they would, it looks like they're just going to roll with Rudolph as the backup again. Not supportive of that, but, I mean, it is what it is. So it just it worries you from a Steeler fan perspective of, Okay, like when Ben is done, what are we going to do? Because it looks like these other guys in the division are setting themselves up to have a future at quarterback, and, and we haven't done that yet. But I think we're, we're going to give it one or two more goes with Ben. Just, you know, everything we have at trying to get trying to get a Super Bowl in the next two years with Ben, and then we see where we're at after that. Uh, but certainly it's going to be going to be interesting. Going to be interesting, as always. For sure. All right, so I think the last thing we'll get into now uh, is talking about uh, the rookies that were drafted in this year's draft uh, and their possible fantasy aspect uh, or fantasy um, you know, impact that they'll have this year. Uh, so we'll kick it off. We'll just do quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. Um, and we'll start with the quarterback. Who is your rookie to watch uh, for quarterbacks? I think this one's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's got to be Burrow. Because um, he's really probably, I don't know if any other ones are going to be even starting week one. Um, right. I don't think Tua is, but he might be. Um, and then Herbert in, in um, San, or not San Diego, Los Angeles, they've got Tyrod Taylor, so I don't know if he's going to be starting off the off the jump. Um, certainly, if you're in a deep dynasty type league, I, I maybe you throw a flyer at Jordan Love and, and wait it out. Um, or you even Jalen Hurts and you maybe try to get a maybe you wonder if if Wentz is going to stay healthy throughout the year but as far as a normal league I'm and I'm doing a draft just for this year I think the only one I even think about taking is Joe Burrow and I, and I like Joe Burrow too he's got he's got weapons you know Tyler Boyd Joe Mixon the Zach Taylor offense 
which is a you know derivative of the McVeigh offense, should be able to open up some opportunities. You know, I don't exactly know what the AJ Green situation is, but if he's there, that obviously is going to be a boost. Um, I think in in two QB leagues, like if you start two QBs, I think that Joe Burr is probably a starter, um, but I wouldn't put him in my top ten. Uh, he's probably a backup in one QB leagues. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, I like Tua for dynasty formats, yeah. uh, obviously, because I think by next year he'll be the full time starter. And like we had already discussed, he could possibly be starting middle of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a normal league, he could be a, a future waiver wire pickup um, in the middle of the season or a draft and stash for someone. Um, but dynasty wise, I love his um, his upside in a dynasty league. Um, like you said, Herbert, uh, again, I would say dynasty pick. Other than that, waiver wire um, possibility there. Um, but yeah, Joe Burrow's the only quarterback um, who, even in a one quarterback league, he could he would serve as a nice backup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if he has one of those legendary rookie years or something like that, obviously he becomes your starter. Um, but uh, you know, I would say most likely a backup in that situation. So totally agree with you there for quarterbacks. Okay. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, we'll talk about running backs now. And I'll kick this one off. Um, one of my favorite picks of the draft um, from a fantasy perspective was the 32nd pick of the first round to the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards. Oh, I love this one. He's my number one guy too, so and, go ahead. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I think, um, uh, first of all, you should always be looking for a Chiefs running back in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Reid has uh, always and forever had uh, great fantasy running backs. And uh, obviously, except with the exception of last year, because of all the injuries. But um, for this year, um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks like he will probably at some point become the main go-to back in that backfield. And, um, you know, Andy Reid actually came out and said that he believes, uh, we'll call him CEH, is going to end up being better than Brian Westbrook in his offense. And Brian Westbrook was one of the best fantasy running backs uh, when he was under Andy Reid. So that he, he speaks that highly of him. You can almost uh, you know guarantee that he's going to come out this season and get a lot of touches. Um, and he could, uh, he could honestly be pushing RB high-end, RB2, possibly RB1 territory, yeah. kind of like Kareem Hunt did in his rookie year. Um, you know, and, and the Chiefs going up and taking a guy, in the, a running back in the first round, the only running back taken in the first round, um, says a lot. So uh, he's the obvious number one choice, I believe, for rookie fantasy running backs to watch out for. Yeah, I, and I love um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, C-E-H, we can call him. So his route running is just unbelievable. I mean, if you if you just watched uh, the combine and you watched his route running with, with the wide receivers or you compared it to the wide receivers, he would be amongst the top of those as far as his route running. He caught 55 passes at LSU. You know, Damian Williams is there, and I kind of feel bad for Damian Williams because he actually, you know, he legitimately had a chance or at least a gripe to possibly win Super Bowl MVP. Uh, so I, I definitely don't think he's going to be out of the equation. It'll be those two, um, probably, you know, 90% of the touches. Clyde Edwards, I love that you did the Kareem Hunt comparison. You think back to Kareem um when he was in that offense, I think it could be very similar. 
um, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I 100% I agree with you. He's my number one uh, rookie running back. So then, like, number two, like, there's a lot of options here. Um, so I guess from a fantasy perspective, I think DeAndre Swift is probably my second. He, I think that he'll probably lead rookies in rushing yards. Um, you know, he's not the pass catcher uh, that some of these other backs are. They're probably he's going to be used more in just running situations. Uh, but he can, he can catch it out of the backfield a little bit. You know, they've got on Johnson and Bo, Bo Scarborough there as well. So they're, they're of course, going to be doing running back by committee, but every team in the NFL does that. Um, I like DeAndre Swift. Some other guys I have are Cam Akers um, from the Rams. Obviously, losing Todd Gurley, they're going to have hole to fill. Um, I don't think Malcolm Brown is the guy. I know they like Daryl Henderson. I'm sure it'll be a mixture of the three of them. Probably, I would say Cam Akers and, and uh, Daryl Henderson would be the top two guys. Uh, I think that could have s- some serious fantasy upside uh, when you look at the McVay offense centered around the running backs typically. Anybody starting at running back for the Rams is, is worth a spot on your roster. Uh, so Cam Akers is a guy I could see getting drafted in standard leagues. Um, and then the other one is Anthony McFarland from Maryland who went to the Steelers. You had kind of mentioned, too, that they're running back situation. So you got James Conner uh, and you have Benny Snell, who are probably the two lead guys going into this year. Well, James Conner's had injury problems, we know. He also has a fumbling problem. And, like, fumbling problems, I that's, like, one of the number one things. Because fumbling problems typically don't really go away. Um, right. So it's interesting. His story is obviously awesome. But to be a every down back I don't I can't see it and Benny Snell is nice he runs hard uh, but he doesn't have like the home run hitting ability that McFarland does McFarland 6.7 yards per carry at Maryland um, he's kind of like a one cut between the tackles uh, one cut and go um, so it fits well with what the Steelers want to do running the ball um, I think that it'll be a trio of course uh, running back by committee like every team does uh, and another one I had was JK Dobbins um, Obviously, with Mark Ingram there, they've got they've got a plethora of running backs that are going to be splitting time. Um, who else did you have? Those are some of the guys. Uh, so yes, I also had DeAndre Swift. I like the choice there. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, another great uh, choice there. I think um, in a run-heavy offense like the Ravens, he could possibly do some damage. Um, one guy I had was Jonathan Taylor, um, and I actually like him a little bit more for dynasty formats yeah. than I do. Um, for standard redraft leagues uh, this year. However, uh, well, one, the reason why I like him most for Dynasty is because Marlon Mack's in a contract year. Um, And while Marlon Mack was their, um, you know, kind of their... Yeah, I I don't want to say workhorse because he didn't... Yeah, right. He was their go-to running back, uh, but came out on passing situations, which will probably end up being the role Jonathan Taylor also Mm -hmm. plays if he becomes the starter in the future. Uh, but Marlon Mack has injury problems. Um, you know, he, he gets hurt here and there. Plus, he's in a contract year. Colts may not want to bring him back next year, um, which then could thrust Jonathan Taylor into Marlon Mack's role, um, which in an offense that runs the ball a lot. Uh, I believe they were top five in in rushing last year as far as attempts go. Um so, you know, that's one of the run-heaviest offenses in the league, and he is a between-the-tackles guy. I um, think he has a little bit more upside than Marlon Mack does. 
Uh, so, you know, if you're drafting Jonathan Taylor in dynasty leagues, you know, maybe you don't expect a lot from him here other than maybe a, a throw, throw a dart flex play unless obviously injuries thrust him into a bigger sure. role. Um, but I think in year two is when you'll really like that pick. Uh, so that was the only other guy I had um, that you hadn't mentioned was Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I like Taylor. Um, it's going to be interesting, the time sharing he's going to do with Marlon Mack. I think you're right about the contract year is important. So probably I think maybe Mack at the beginning of the year is the, the bulk ball getter. And then you start to see Taylor worked in more and more throughout the year. Uh, and by the playoffs, he's probably going to be the guy. Um, the thing, too, is interesting about like all of these rookies, uh, but I think running back and then especially wide receivers that we're going to talk about next, like the lack of mini camps and off-season workouts because of the coronavirus is actually going to – it's probably going to be a really big factor, especially the wide receivers, too. So much of it is built with rapport with the quarterback and, and working with them. I think they're really going to feel it. Uh, so a lot of these guys you might not see be immediate fantasy impactful players at the beginning of the year, but then as the year goes on and they get more acclimated to the system, they're guys that are going to be starters on your team. Um, but so we're going to do the wide receivers too. Why don't you kick off uh, of the wide receivers? Yeah. So um, the only guy I really see um, like having uh, a big impact this year, in my opinion, because for me, for wide receivers, you want to chase volume. Um, and the only guy I can really see getting the most volume is going to be Jerry Judy uh, from the Broncos. Um, you know, they've, they've actually put some nice pieces together. They've got Cortland Sutton uh, as well on the other on the other side of him. Um, and I believe they took a Penn State receiver, yeah, uh, Hamler, KJ Hamler. Yeah, Hamlin, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, Hamler, yes, uh, as well. So they've got a decent receiving core. Um, they signed Melvin Gordon in the offseason, so it looks like he's going to split with Philip mm-hmm. Lindsay out of the backfield. Um, so, I mean, he's not going to get a ton of targets early on, um, but I think of the receivers that were drafted in the first round, um, the only other receiver I can see possibly um, matching the target share is going to be Henry Ruggs the third, yeah. Allen Oakland, um, because he's, he's probably going to be a day one starter as well, um, but not super sold on either of their quarterbacks as far as like, Derek. Derek Carr obviously you know has proven more than Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he, he's, he's certainly not elite. So we'll see how that kind of goes um, with those two. Um, I would say Jerry Judy would be first on my list uh, if, we're doing a, if we're doing a standard redraft league. And then Henry Ruggs would probably be uh, the second rookie receiver that I would expect to come off the board yeah. um, for fans. Yeah, I like um, both those guys. They're both in my, uh, my top four for wide receivers. Um, Judy, I think that Drew Locke... You know, if Drew Locke is as good as he could potentially be, then it's going to work out for Jerry Judy. I think a lot of it depends on that. And when you have rookie receivers, one of the things you have to look at is the quarterback. And that's why you don't necessarily want a Henry Ruggs. But like Henry Ruggs, he's got major home run hitting ability. And I think that they're actually – they're probably going to force feed him the ball just to get that, just to have some exciting offense. Um you know, the route running needs work, obviously, with him. That's his story. But, you know, he has the ability to score a touchdown every time he touches the ball. That I think that matters, uh, especially in your deeper fantasy leagues where you're starting five, six receivers. You might throw him in there and hope that he breaks one. 
because he probably will break at least four or five throughout the course of the year. Um, but when you look at like the rookie receivers, and I, like I said, you, you talk about the quarterbacks a lot too for this. Uh, C.D. Lamb sticks out, obviously. He's going to be playing that slot role in Dallas. Mike McCarthy is going to be, this is his first year. He drafted him, so I would think he's going to try to work him into that offense heavily and feed him the ball. They throw it a lot anyway, and then McCarthy, you know, obviously from his time in Green Bay, we know he likes to throw the ball. I think that C.D. Lamb is probably a wide receiver three on in week one. I'd say he's wide receiver three in week one. But, like, I don't know. I mean, he is a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. Is he a better receiver than Michael Gallup? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, he's their first-round pick, and they probably don't want to sign Gallup long-term in a couple of years. So they might work him in there more than Gallup. It'll be interesting to see how they work it um, with those three receivers. And then the other the only other guy I would mention is uh, Brandon Ayuk, who got drafted by the 49ers. Um, Kyle Shanahan's offense lends well to fast players, and, and he's really fast. He 18 yards per catch when he was at Arizona State, running a pro-style offense um, under Herm Edwards. So I think that he's got big play potential. They also have Debo Samuel from last year, so... And he, you know, he was fantasy useful, but he wasn't like a, a week-to-week starter. So maybe you have similar production, and he's a guy kind of like hugs, like kind of like rugs, like we said, where you know you throw him in your lineup and, and you hope that he breaks two. But yeah, wide receiver, it's going to be tough, especially with um, the no mini camps, getting the timing down with the quarterbacks. It's always it's always tough for rookies to work their way into the offense, but you'd think it'd be even tougher this year. Agreed. Yeah, and. and... Um, you know, I think most of these guys are going to end up being most valuable in dynasty leagues um, as well, especially a guy like CeeDee Lamb to go back to him. Um, because I think like this year, he's going to kind of have the Will Fuller effect where you're like, there's going to be weeks where you're like, oh my God, how did I not start right. CeeDee Lamb? Uh, and then there's going to be weeks where you're like, why did I start CeeDee Lamb? Just because they have so many weapons. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't know what his volume is going to look like. But like you said, long term, you know, maybe they don't bring a Michael Gallup back and he becomes the clear number two guy uh, opposite of Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, that's uh, the Cowboys offense certainly can have two fantasy relevant uh, wide yeah. receivers, um, depending on who's, you know, quarterbacking down the road. But um, CD Lamb, I think. Uh, long-term has great fantasy value. Um, Jerry Judy, I think, uh, this year has decent value, but will his value, again, will increase uh, in later years as well. So, and I think that's really what you're looking for mostly when you're drafting a rookie um, in any position, really. A lot of times, it's really hard to find an offensive rookie who comes out, other than quarterback, who comes out and is fantasy relevant yeah. for you from day one. So, if you're drafting rookies, be patient, uh, is, is always my opinion. And then, uh, especially if you're doing a dynasty league, these are some great guys to draft and stash uh, in those leagues. Yep. Anything else you want to add? That's it, man. Yeah, like you said, with the with the rookies, it's it's always tricky, you know, because they, they don't get worked in early in the year. Um, good example, two years ago, I drafted Nick Chubb as like my fifth running back when he was a rookie and he really didn't get much mm -hmm. playing time the first four weeks of the year and I needed a running back um, because of injury yeah. and I dropped Nick Chubb um, to get 
you know, some guy that I dropped two weeks later and Chubb goes on to have a great rookie year. So, yeah, definitely, like you said, yeah. be patient, 100%. Yeah, man. So um, that pretty much wraps up our show. Um, you know, thank you guys again for tuning in to our third episode of the All In Podcast. Um, thank you guys again for your engagement on social media, listening to the podcast and giving us your feedback. Um, as far as um, social media goes, make sure you guys follow us at all underscore in underscore pod um, to get your latest updates on the show. Uh, we'll be recording shows every Sunday night and then releasing them to you guys Mondays uh, and then also recording Wednesdays and releasing Thursdays. Uh, but stay you know, tuned and on Twitter. Uh, make sure you send us your topics and things like that that you want us to get into. That way we can cover uh, things that our audiences are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else that you want to Yeah, add, absolutely. Mike? Like to piggyback off that, like send us topics too because there's no really live sports being played right now. So <laughs> it'll be a lot easier for yeah. us to think of our own topics when live sports are happening. But as of right now, it's really it's on you guys. What do you want to hear? And, and we're willing to talk about it and happy to share our opinion and try to give an interesting, thoughtful take on it. Um, but yeah, fun third episode. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back. Doing another one Wednesday night and getting it to you Thursday morning. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, yep, that's all I got, Eli. All right. Well, again, thank you guys for tuning in. If you like the podcast, uh, feel free to leave a rating. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever platform, um, and download the podcast as well. Um, share it with your friends. Uh, let everyone know you're listening to the All In podcast. Thank you guys again for tuning in to episode three.